Hi, I'm Jason Wachab, founder and CEO of MindBuddyGreen, the best-selling author of Wealth, and your host for the MindBuddyGreen podcast, where I'll be bringing you deep and insightful dialogues with some of the greatest minds in wellness. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, comment, and share with your friends and family. And don't forget to visit us at MindBuddyGreen.com for your daily dose of wellness. This episode is sponsored by MindBodyGreen Classes and Trainings, where you can learn from world-class experts from the comfort of your own home. The MindBodyGreen Class Library has educational programs you can't find anywhere else. From yoga and meditation to nutrition and personal growth, our classes have something for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a wellness warrior, MindBodyGreen Classes will take you further on your wellness journey. You can find our classes at mindbodygreen.com classes. That's mindbodygreen.com slash classes. Enter the promo code podcast on checkout to receive 15% off your next purchase. On her travels around the world, Lauren Bush Lauren witnessed the effects of hunger firsthand. Lauren founded Feed in 2007 with the simple idea of creating products that would engage people in the fight against hunger in a tangible way. Nine years later, she's built a movement connecting customers to a cause, one bag at a time. Hey, it's Jason Wachab coming to you live from the Mind Body Green studio here in Brooklyn. And today we have the amazing Lauren Bush. Lauren, the founder of <laughs> Feed here. Thank you, Jason. Our new neighbor. Thanks for being here. Yeah. So talk to me about how Feed started. So Feed started, hard to believe, almost 10 years ago. Um, it really started after I had the amazing opportunity to travel with the UN World Food Program. Um, gosh, I think I was 19 at the time. So I was in college and kind of academically thinking about development and, you know, the greater disparity that exists in the world. I was not doing that at 19. I, I studied anthropology. <laughs> I don't know. I've just always been fascinated with sort of how, you know, other people live. and. Sure and really amazingly had, again, the opportunity to travel with the World Food Program, because at yep. the time they were sort of tuned into the fact that, you know, obviously world hunger is this massive, massive mm -hmm. global issue, and yet students and young people aren't and, and weren't obviously at the time engaging as much right. as they felt like they should be around the issue of hunger. So being a student myself, they said, come along, let us, you know, show you some of these programs that we're doing and work around the world. Um, and we'd love you as a student to kind of help us translate that back to students. So before kind of committing, obviously, I was like, I want to understand what, what we're doing. And, right. you know, I've read the statistics and the anecdotes about hunger, but um, it still felt very abstract and overwhelming and far away, which I think is how most people think of kind of global hunger. Um, so I then took my very first trip to Guatemala um, I think, gosh, 2003, with the UN World Food Program, and you know, a short three and a half, four-hour flight from New York City, and you're in rural Guatemala, and really exposed for the first time ever to the issues of hunger and poverty that you know so many people live with every day. So really, from that moment on, you know, and meeting these families and communities, and especially children, you know, literally just because of where they're born, born into a life of hunger and, and poverty. Um, wanted to do something and, you know, kind of felt this frustration and confusion over what that something would be for me personally and how to not only do something myself, but how to activate others 
around the issue of hunger, which again is very massive and overwhelming sure. and abstract. So, so you got to Guatemala. Like, what yeah. specifically did you see? Like, did you, were they just like bring you right into the village? You're seeing like kids running around. You know, just, yeah. What did you see? I mean, we there were many different sort of like stops on that trip. The very first stop, it was kind of this surreal moment that is like etched into my memory. We landed, fell asleep in the car, and then like woke up on this like bumpy, bumpy road. I don't know, two hours later. So into sort of the countryside of Guatemala, which is beautiful, by the way. And we get out and they're like, okay, the first stop is this therapeutic feeding center. And at that trip, my mom came with me, my sister came with me. Um, so it was neat to sort of share that first sure. experience with them as well. And we went into this little clinic that was like very bare bones, again, middle of nowhere, not paved streets, like very windy, like bumpy electricity, roads. electricity, running water. Electricity, running water, but like a generator, you know, like sure. super basic. I'm sure they don't always have electricity. And in this clinic, again, very bare bones, like concrete, you know, slabs, basically. Um, kids were getting, it was lunchtime, so kids were being fed um, their lunch meals. Mm -hmm. And what that consisted of for these children, because these this is a clinic for basically kids who are taken who are severely malnourished, um, for the most part was this like peanut paste. Plumpy so, nut? Plumpy nut, exactly. I saw the 60 minutes on that. Yeah, isn't that amazing? <laughs> so maybe explain to people what plumpy okay, nut sure. is. Because people are like, I'm like what, amazing, what the hell no, plumpy is plumpy nut? nut? <laughs> Such a cute name. So plumpy nut is a nutrient-enriched peanut based substance, but it has, you know, vitamin A, zinc, um, all the great vitamins that kids need, again, who are severely malnourished. Yep. So that's generally what's given as like the like emergency, like... It's like peanut butter on steroids. Peanut butter on steroids, yeah. like calories, like great right. stuff. Like if you're... Because you can't eat. Like if you're so malnourished, you can't say like, here's... here's All of a, a sudden, here's a steak. Or here's something. a steak and some yeah. kale and a superfood bowl. Yeah. Like the, it's very easy on your stomach. Right. Exactly. It sort of really helps revive children. Um, or anyone, but children so you're, especially. So you're seeing these kids eat plumpy nut, and you're like. So seeing kids eat plumpy nut, for me, it was a shock. Like you expect kids to be sort of energetic or curious or bouncing right. off the walls, and these kids were, it was like silent in this little room, and children were sort of listless and you know could tell lethargic, and they were there with like their whole you know parents, families, like clinic. Um, folks who were all helping administer the lunch meals. Some were so weak they couldn't even eat themselves. Oh. So you could just tell these kids were like, it's what you would expect visiting like very sick children in a hospital. Sure. But literally these kids were not sick. They were just severely malnourished. So to see that, and you could tell even like some of their skin was like just not vibrant, like right. lacking vit vitality. So seeing, I mean, this jarring effect of literally, you know, hunger, on these innocent children was like beyond dramatic right. for me and for again my mom and sister who were visiting with me and as we were leaving specifically i this mom came up and put her son in my arms and the son like you know have a child you could like cradle this little boy he was seven years old so oh my god he was like you know literally stunted from hunger to stop growing to stop growing because he, he had been that malnourished for that long. So he was never given the chance to develop properly. And he was, you know, really you could tell in pain and um, again, extremely jarring to see right. that extreme effect of, of hunger and especially again on, on children. It was just heartbreaking. 
So that was very so upsetting. That's how you started off your trip. You're like, fantastic. <laughs> I was like, whoa. This right, is, that's heavy stuff. It was super heavy. It was one of the, I think, most important moments of my life. Um, so what are you thinking right there and then after you had, are you just, you're just shock like, taking this all in? and Total shock. I think it's, I mean, it was very emotional. And yet you don't want to show, you know, right. too much emotion in front of these families. You don't families want to cry for and, someone in front of someone. Exactly. It makes them feel worse. <laughs> exactly. And right. again, not knowing the culture and kind of how they're perceiving us. Sure. Obviously, they're grateful f- for the World Food Program. That clinic is able to do what they do because of them. So they're very, they were very welcoming. But at the same time, yeah, you don't want to be this sort of, I don't know, observer of sorts that's in and out and it feels awkward in that way so sort of tried to contain myself left had a moment (laughs) cried it out a little bit and then um yeah i mean from then on it was like what can i do to help okay so we're in guatemala you have this incredible jarring experience Mm -hmm. what's what's next do you you, are you still absorbing this or or are you starting to think like i need to do something or does the trip continue on yeah the trip continues on there's not a lot of time like they packed a lot every trip they really pack a lot into each day to really show you the most they Mm -hmm. can which is awesome so the next stop was very hopeful Um, much more hopeful in contrast to this therapeutic feeding center. It was a school. So we visited a local school um, connected to the village that this clinic is connected to. And the school, what was amazing is kids were, again, energetic and curious and laughing and playing and teasing and like all the things that you expect, you know, normal kids to to be doing at school. And we were, again, there right at lunchtime. So kids were lining up with sort of mismatched bowls and tins to get their, their lunch meal. Right. And um, the school itself was sort of more of an open air situation. Obviously they had closed classrooms surrounding sort of a courtyard. And to the side was a kitchen, um, a very, very basic kitchen where mothers of the local, you know, of kids at that school were helping prepare this sort of mush meal that was then ladled out as the lunch meal. So that was really interesting to see. And again, kids are going, the World Food Program provides this free lunch meal. Um, And what I later learned and now I've seen happening in many countries around the world is really this lunch meal is the reason kids go to school, they're sent to school, they stay in school, they learn better. It's kind of a no brainer when you think about it, but if you get kids and our own government, you know, helps subsidize this here f- for students who can't afford it. If you get kids like a healthy school meal, it really is such a game changer because it enables right. not only health and, you know, development and, and wellness, but really um, encourages that education, right. which is huge. And so what in this process do you have the idea for feed or even before it crystallizes when when Mm -hmm. you start to think like i can do something i can help people i want to i want to commit to this and do this i know i mean i think it was from the very beginning obviously i mean even before i went on the trip quite frankly i knew i wanted you know some piece of my life and career whatever that was to give back and um make the world a better place which sounds very idealistic and open-ended but I knew some piece of what I did in life was going to have that right. like service angle to it. But truly at the same time, I loved 
design. I love fashion. Mm -hmm. So I was sort of contemplating personally kind of two very different life paths, like mm -hmm. one going into nonprofit work um, and, you know, working for these organizations who are doing amazing work on the ground. The other was, you know, moving to New York and becoming a designer, working sure. in marketing, you know, something to do with fashion. So I personally, in these early, you know, trips, I was starting as a sophomore in college, you know, through senior year, was kind of mulling over, you know, not only what can I do, but then what is my, yeah, which, what job should I get out of college? Yeah. Like, what should my personal career trajectory right. be? Um, and in the midst of that, I had the aha moment for the first feedback, which really was that combination of, you know, I can really utilize design and, you know, galvanize people around something that's very tangible and fashionable. So was there like a specific moment or was it a series of small moments or? I think it's a series of small moments, but they kind of end in that one moment of like, right. oh, I can, I I can, can do, do that. Both. Yeah. And it, it wasn't an I can do both. It was like I can create a product that will give back which is both, but it wasn't, I thought of it initially as that one product. And I thought of that product as candidly a fundraising tool for the UN World Food Program to take and sell and I'll you know, help design it and kind of get the word out. And then at the end of the day for you know, UN type reasons, they weren't allowed or able to um, technically be the kind of producer seller of a product. Yep. And quite frankly, you know, that's not within their core competency. So they, you know, feed people around the world. Sure. That's what they should be doing. Um, so it really all worked out in the sense that, you know, this was when I had the idea for the bag, the bag was designed. Amazon.com bought the first order. So it's brilliant, though, if you think like the bag is iconic in a lot of ways. So why the bag? Like, are you just like, why, the bag? Should, why, why a bag? And we're just going to put the feed logo and it's so easy to understand. And it's one thing, like it's brilliant in so many oh, ways. Thank you. Um, like, why not? Like, you know, it's like Tom's does shoes. Yeah. Other people are like, I'm going to do the bag. And you were before everyone. Yeah. Like we now were... the one for one is everyone has sort of a one for one. It's program. cool. It's been one of the neatest parts about doing feed the last 10 years is seeing kind of what a movement has right. started and how, yeah, giving back or having a, you know, transparent supply chain or whatever it is, is sort of expected out of small businesses. Um, but definitely Feed, Tom's and a few others were, you know, I'm proud to say some of the first in that space. Why a bag? I just felt like bags are so universal. They're right. so useful. Yep. I personally design wise was inspired by the bags of food rations I saw being distributed around yep. the world. So I loved, you know, in part visiting these warehouses that then go out to the schools and the clinics, like I mentioned, with massive bags of grain and rice and they're all stamped. So the bag, the very first bag with the burlap really is a direct you know, inspiration from those bags of, of food I saw being distributed. And the most important part of the whole feed model and, and the reason, you know, I guess why any consumer product, but the cost to do, to give a meal the cost to feed a child in school for a year is so little. So yeah, to just explain to yeah. everyone the economics there and how it works. So they buy a bag and what, what happens next yeah. for those who don't know? No, yeah, because part of the frustration for me was, you know, it's a shock, I would say, to go on these travels and visit these communities and really see, again, just because of where um, some of these children are born, they're born into such a life, you know, a life sure. of such poverty and hunger. Um, and you, you know, understand that a meal costs between 10 to 25 cents. 
So then you come back here to, you know, America or New York City and you buy your coffee and you're like, wow, this one coffee could have given 40 meals. So you start doing that math, you go into a grocery store, you know, it's just, it's having that kind of jarring experience, I would say both ways, Mm -hmm. that again, kind of was part of the inspiration or fuel behind starting Feed. But the Feed model is, you know, the first bag feeds one child in school for one year when you buy it. So it gives a contribution that, you know, will provide that, that amount of meals. Every other product we make, there's, every product has a number on it, but it signifies the amount of meals we're able to give. So how many children, how many meals to date? Total? Yeah. We are just above 95 million meals. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever sit back and say, like, you had no idea? Like, did you ever have that vision? No. I what do you think? Like, maybe we sell a few bags, <laughs> feed a few kids. I mean, I think I hoped and in, in deep down knew this could be something that was scalable and that consumers million is like that, that's would want to get countries behind. Are not, yeah, that, that's a... It's a lot. No, I'm really proud of that. And I think it, I mean, it speaks to the fact like this isn't one individual giving that amount. This is like many sure. people putting their consumer dollars to work and making contributions and wanting you know, to make a difference and wanting to know, I think, have that transparency and know exactly where those meals are going and how many meals they're giving by purchasing this pouch or this bag. So why do you think Feed has been so successful? You know, there are a lot of great companies out there Mm -hmm. with programs that are trying to give back, but 95 million is, that's a serious number. Um, I mean, I feel, honestly, there's like so much more to be done and sure. I wake up not feeling like, oh, we made it. Oh, you're just I wake getting up, started? You're yeah. opening a retail location yeah, in yeah. Brooklyn? More things to come. Yes. Um, but I do think a lot of our success to date has been due to a partner, I think timing-wise and partner-wise and just consumer um, attitude-wise, yeah. you know, folks want some more they want meaning with what they're yeah. buying. They want meaning in their lives. And feed came about a time when that, you know, definitely existed. We did not create this model. They're Newman's own. There are other great consumer goods brands out right. there. But yet feed, you know, was one of the few. And so we did great partnerships with, you know, Disney to HSN to The Gap to Judith Lieber to Clarence to West Elm to we've had now you've these got Rebecca Minkoff. Rebecca Minkoff yeah. just launched for International Women's Day. It's just been neat to, yeah, I think timing-wise, be this consumer-facing way for people to give back. And retailers and brands have recognized that in feed. And, you know, we found really interesting, creative ways to partner. So that, you know, I think hugely accounts for how, you know, feed was able, especially early days, to get that brand awareness. And now I just, I, I think it's, again, expected of companies that they have, you know, CSR is kind of a stodgy word for it, but sure. some way to give back and do good. And it's not just about commerce for commerce sake. Mm-hmm. It's about, um, yeah, being more mindful of, of how you're making things and how you're selling them and what the results of that are. So I don't think any company or any product is perfect, but I, right. I do feel, you know, proud that we've been able to give back really significantly over the last 10 years. So you mentioned earlier that you knew you wanted to be in service. Mm -hmm. So, you know, obviously you come from the Bush family, (laughs) famous family. Uh, A, what was that like? And and B, how did being from the Bush family like play a role in this attitude of like, I want to be in service? Talk to me about (laughs) that. I'm sure everyone's curious. 
I mean, I think it def it definitely was an influence. I never like I don't want to, and I never wanted to go into politics to be of sure. service. But I recognized that that is obviously one so way right, to go right about away, you it. Were just like <laughs> seeing with your family, like I want no part of politics. No. Like the well, it's hard. It's, it's just it's, not for everyone. Right. And no, I it's think not. I'm so proud of the people in my family who've chosen that path and sure. have been able to make a significant difference in that way. But yeah, I think I mean obviously I feel lucky that. The idea of being of service and public service and the fact that, yeah, as an individual, you could truly make a difference right. um, was something that I grew up around that idea. Like sure. that was talked about over dinner. Sure. So I do think that was hugely important. On top of that, too, my mom, um, when I was little, started a charity that helped homeless and abused children. Oh, wow. Um, locally in Texas where I grew up. So she would take us to you know, underserved communities and right. homeless shelters and soup kitchens. Um, so also having that hands-on experience sure. at a young age, I really think was very so, important So in Guatemala was not your, the first time you saw a less fortunate population, like Abroad. up close. Yeah. It was not. Yeah, because right. I had already, I mean, I had traveled and I'd seen sure. it from afar, but going with an aid organization like the World Food Program and seeing it through that lens and really being able to sit down with families and like right. understand their hardships and what they're going through. But I had already had that experience, again, starting at a younger age via what right. my mom was doing. So really grateful for that too. So in this process, mm -hmm. you know, the early days of feed and in general being an entrepreneur and give me some, what's some of the best and worst <laughs> advice you've, you've received? Oh gosh, so much advice. Um, I don't remember the worst, which maybe I sort good. of like blocked it out. It's funny. A lot of people say that. I think it's Isn't good because funny? I think, yeah. I think you have to take it in and then just totally sort of discard it and, and I move think on. there's always, I mean, everyone's coming from their own perspective and their own experience sure. and so much about being an entrepreneur, I think is filtering, um, filtering it out. yeah, what someone's experience, I'm sure, sure you feel the same what someone, and I, I find there's always a helpful bit in there. So I, maybe I'm again, optimistic that way. But um, in terms of best advice, I think it is just sort of stay true to your vision, you know, more of that cliche, like believe in what you're doing. And I think it's easy in good times and bad times to kind of lose your way and to really get back to the core of, for me, the purpose behind what you're doing is just so important. And I think consumers, you know, customers, readers, followers, like mm -hmm. want that authenticity. And the minute you overthink things and it kind of go down that sure. track of being too um, cerebral about it and you lose that kind of heart and soul of what you're trying to do, I think you, you lose your way a little. So do you have specific moments in the journey where you've sort of questioned what we're doing? Is this gonna work? <laughs> like, why am I doing this? I mean, this? all the time. <laughs> <laughs> It never goes away. It doesn't go. I mean, sometimes it eases up a little bit, sure. but no, I think it's, I mean, what's fun and what keeps me energized is that it doesn't go away. Sure. Like I always um, feel the sense that we could be doing things bigger, better, sure. um, and just figuring out how to do that in a way that's authentic and, you know, true to the mission, true to the brand sure. is really f fun. So your mom, you have an 18 month old? Almost 15. two. Fifteen. Fifteen. Aging him. <laughs> Fifteen. I'm aging him already. Uh, how has motherhood changed you? 
Oh, gosh. I think in many ways that are still coming to sure. the surface. I'm like, I feel like, um, I mean, it's just the most amazing like life happening ever um, to be a mom, to, yeah, be responsible for this like little life is like a hugely overwhelming but amazing um, privilege. And in the context of feed, you know, I've always felt obviously such empathy for um, moms who can't sure. provide for their children in the way they would like to, yeah. um, especially again in areas that are extremely, you know, very poor and, and when literally food is very scarce. So now it's just like all the more heart-wrenching to really think of that, that scenario that unfortunately is the reality for so many moms and so many children um, around the world. So I think it's made me feel even more strongly right. about what FEED is, is doing to help feed children and you know, help alleviate that pressure from families and from moms that have that unfortunate um, you know, reality. So how do you find balance? Mom, entrepreneur, <laughs> opening retail locations. I I'm like, I mean, for me, feed has always been like my first child. So yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you might feel this way uh, too. Absolutely. It's like, it's hard to know what balance is. Like I'm always thinking about feed. I'm always not working. Like it doesn't sure. feel like work. And I think that's the joy of doing something that's a true extension of yourself and that yeah. you really love. At the same time, yeah, there is this other little being out there that needs and, and deserves your time and attention. So I don't think I've mastered that yet, but I, I try to be present, I would say. Like when I'm home with him, I try to be present with him as best I can. When he goes to bed, I'm like back on the email, I'm sure. back doing what I need to do. So just carving out those moments and then being at work, I'm fully at work. You know, if he's when you're there, knowing, you're there. Yeah, if he's taking care. So you're not of like and, watching him and then no texting and. I tried to sort of like oh I'll work from home a little bit here and there, and it just doesn't work. Like it made me feel like a worse mother in some ways because yeah. I was really on the email. I wasn't. You know, I don't think there's a way to do both well at the same time. As what I've learned. <laughs> and so, what's your philosophy on food? You were you were a vegetarian, or you are a vegetarian? I am a vegetarian. And so, how long have you been a vegetarian? I've been a vegetarian since I was five. Oh wow! So quite a while. So what happened at five? <laughs> Do you, was there was there a specific moment where you're like, I don't want the meat, or basically, no, I, um, yeah, very specifically, my family took me. To, we went as a family to a um, like petting zoo farm slash restaurant. <laughs> Oh my Which, gosh. Where was it? Was this in Texas? In Colorado. Okay. So I was born in Colorado and then we moved to Texas. And it's beautiful and it's like come, you know, lasso a cow and play with chickens and then and you go in eventually and you have dinner. And that was the moment when it really just connected, you know, what chicken was like the cute chickens we sure. just fed and played with and cows are the cows we just lassoed or whatever it was. So that was the moment for me very clearly that I was like, I don't, this doesn't so feel like, right no, to me. <laughs> so slowly, I would say. What did your parents say? Do you remember? Do you rem they definitely thought it was like a phase. <laughs> and not, I mean, they all my family eats meat. Um, 25 years later or whatever. It I is. know, not, not a phase. So my mom 
I remember very well would always try to sneak little bits of meat in because right. she really was worried that I wasn't, you know, getting enough, yeah, right. <laughs> getting enough protein or iron or whatever it was. Um, and I would just sort of pick through and make sure everything was that's funny. vegetarian. Did she eventually give up? Or yes. is that still happening so when you go home? <laughs> she's given up. Um, yeah, so I eat, I mean, I, I'm not a vegan. I eat dairy and milk, I mean, animal product, but I don't eat meat. Nothing that had a face. Got it. So fish. No fish. No fish. So you're no, real, okay. No, not a pes- pescatarian. Not a pescatarian. So like, what are some of your, your favorite wellness practices? Ooh, I know. I need, I need to learn from you guys. What's <laughs> like the latest and greatest? Well, it um, seems like you practice mindfulness, you know, when you're really well, being present. Try to be. I'm like I, I, I. There's room to improve.